morning to you all again. And uh, we're going to come now and gather around the Word. And we're going to read from Luke chapter 14 this morning. And if you've been coming to West Church, you'll know that we've been going through the Gospel of John last year. But uh, I wanted to speak on Luke chapter 14 and look at one of the parables that the Lord Jesus Christ teaches. And we'll be reading from Luke chapter 14, verse 15, down to verse 24. So if you have your Bibles, please turn there with me now. And uh, the situation for this parable is that Jesus is having dinner at a party with the Pharisees, the religious leaders of his day. And he's speaking to them about things related to the kingdom of God, all these wonderful things. And they're talking with him also. And he tells a parable in that context. We'll read from verse 15. It reads, When one of those who reclined at table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges, and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who are invited shall taste my banquet. Let's pray and ask for the Lord's blessing over this world. Oh Lord, we thank you so much that we can gather here this morning now to read your word and to hear your word preached. We pray, oh Lord, that you would speak through your Holy Spirit into our hearts this morning because we long to hear from you. Speak your words, O oh Lord, and open our hearts to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So like I mentioned, you know, this is the, the, the dinner party where the Pharisees have thrown a, a party and they've invited Jesus to be with them. And in the context of that situation, Jesus tells them a parable. And he begins telling this parable, this story that relates to the kingdom of God because one of those who are there at the party, you can see there in verse 15, you know, when he hears these things, he says, Wow, how blessed it is when one can break bread in the kingdom of God. And he's talking about how wonderful it is to be at God's side in eternal blessedness, in eternal bliss, sharing in bread with the King of Kings, the Lord of all creation. And for the Jewish people, that was their one hope, to enter in to the kingdom of God and to be His people and to be there with their King, with their God. He says how blessed it is. And Jesus tells them a curious story. And what I love about the parables is that they're all so simple, they're so memorable, that children, they can hear the story and they'll remember it. But Jesus tells something profound through the story. And He begins to tell them the story of a man who is painstakingly preparing a great banquet. It's a big feast. He has pulled out all the stops. He's killed the fatted calves. He's brought in the, the most exotic of spices, caught in the most expert of chefs to cook this beautiful feast, this great 
banquet. And he's got a little guest list of all the people that he wants to invite. All the people that perhaps knew him before or acquaintances or, or business partners or whatever it may be. And he sends out his servant to go and invite them saying, Hey, come now. The host has prepared a great feast. You don't want to miss it. This is the, the, the party of the decade. And they can say that right at the start of the decade, 2020, because he's pulled out all the stops. This is going to be the best party you've ever been to. And they go and invite these people to the party. And, and we read sadly that one by one, each of them makes an excuse not to come. We see one saying, well, you know, I'd love to come, but I just bought a piece of property. I just bought a field. I've got to go and check it out and, and do the builder's report and make sure that everything's okay. If you'll excuse me, I'm sorry, but I can't come. And another one that the servant goes to, he says to the servant, look, I've just bought five yoke of oxen. I just bought this big business venture, this big investment, and I've got to see it through. I've got to supervise it and make sure that my investment pays off. I cannot come to this feast. And still one more says to the servant, he said, I've just recently married and I want to spend time with my wife on honeymoon. I want to, I want to be with her, the one that I love, that I just took in marriage. I can't come to this feast. And they all reject the offer of this host, this invitation to come to this great banquet. And we see the host being rightly so angry at being rejected. And he tells the servant, and this is really the turn of the story that is so incredible. He tells the servant to go to the poor, to the crippled, and to the lame, and to the blind. If any man were to be on an invitation to a great banquet, these people weren't it. These people were the lowest of society. They, would have, they wouldn't have a chance of entering in the gates to attend this great banquet. Maybe they would get the scraps that were thrown out afterwards. But this host says to his servants, go out to these people and invite them in to taste my banquet. And amazingly, the servant says, we've done all of this. They're already all coming and still there is room. There is more food to be had. What shall we do? And the master goes even more and says, go to the highways and the hedges, the places that people live in that they shouldn't live in. Go there and compel them to come in. Tell them to come in and taste this great feast. Because he says, my house will be filled. You see this almost dogged and fierce determination to graciously open his gates to allow everyone to come into the feast. Go into the highways and the hedges. This is outside the city almost. This is the places where people wouldn't go at night. He says, go out there and compel those who are there to come in and taste of my banquet. But he says that the last verse we read in verse 24, here's the clincher. Those who were first invited, who rejected my offer, they will not taste even one mouthful of my banquet. But those who are the least likely to be invited, those who are entirely unworthy, they will taste not only a little bit of the banquet, but they will eat until they cannot eat anymore. They will drink until their heart is satisfied beyond their wildest dreams. They shall enjoy the great banquet that I have prepared. And the Lord Jesus Christ tells a simple story about the kingdom of God. We know that's true because what started off in verse 15 was somebody saying, how blessed is it to break bread in the kingdom of God. And Jesus certainly doesn't disagree with that. It is a blessed thing to break bread and to be at the table of God. 
But Jesus tells a story about the great banquet to teach something really important about the kingdom. He talks about this great banquet, which we can understand very simply as referring to being in the kingdom of God, being with God, having our hearts satisfied beyond our wildest dreams. You know, the scripture says that for those who love God, mind cannot imagine, eye has never seen what God has prepared for those who love Him. The amazing blessings of those who will be with Him for all eternity. To be with the one who created them, who knows how to satisfy their hearts forever, namely to be in fellowship with Him. It is the most blessed thing to break bread in the kingdom of God. That is top solid theology from Mr. Pharisee in this party, verse 15. That is top solid theology. It is the most blessed thing a human being could ever experience. But there's one thing that they mistakenly misunderstood. That Jesus was correcting with this story. They assumed that they would be attendees at that great banquet. They assumed that for all of their religious observances, they would be there tasting the bread of God with God forever. And Jesus tells a story and he puts forth, really, we can summarize it, as two groups of people. Those who are not going to taste of the banquet and those who will. And compare and contrast these two groups. The first are those who were first invited. If you hear the gossip of the town, they say, this man is preparing a great feast. Who's going to get to go in? Somebody will tap him and say, don't be silly. Of course it's going to be those on the list. His friends and his business partners, those who are respectable, the higher upper echelon of society. Those are the ones who will go and enter. And of course they will. Don't kid yourself, Joe. We're not going to get in there. That's what the first expectation is. Those who are first invited. And yet, amazingly in this story, Jesus says very clearly, those who are first invited will not taste even a mouthful of this great banquet. But rather, who gets to go in? It's those who are so unworthy that when you walk past them in the street, you wouldn't look twice. These poor and these crippled and these lame and blind. Those who live in the hedges and hang around the highways. Jesus says elsewhere in the gospel accounts, prostitutes and tax collectors enter into the kingdom of God before these Pharisees who scrupulously, meticulously observe every law that they can think of. Jesus says prostitutes and tax collectors and those who are so rejected and unworthy, they will enter into the kingdom before you do. And this morning, I want to ask this one question. What is it that separates these two? Of course, the simple answer is that these who were originally invited, they refused the invitation. They rejected the invitation of the master. And those who did come and they accepted the invitation. It wasn't an easy, it wasn't a difficult choice. They thought to themselves in their, in their pathetic place and they thought, well, to get to a great feast or to stay here in the hedges. I think I've got a pretty easy decision to make. They accepted the invitation and entered into the great banquet. It's an obvious answer. But what I really want to ask is what is going on behind their decisions, behind their responses to this invitation to the great banquet? Because we know the invitation is the same thing. The master has prepared a great feast and the servant says, you are invited. Just simply come with me and you will enjoy all of these wonderful foods and wines and whatever it is to your heart's
content. The invitation is identical. And you know, as the parable represents things related to the truth of the kingdom, the gospel message of God is the same to every human being. Why are there such different responses? That's really what this parable can help us to understand. Why is it that countless billions now, today, reject Christ, though they have heard the invitation? And why others receive it with such joy that they are willing to suffer the loss of all things in order to receive the invitation of God in Christ? And this parable tells us the reason. Look at the excuses of these people who rejected the invitation to enter into this great bank. The first said, I've got a field that I just bought. I've got a property that I just bought. Surely this is more important than going to this banquet. I've got to make sure that I focus on this. And perhaps for those of us who live in Auckland, we can relate because the property market here is absolutely insane. And so much of our time is spent focusing on on how can we get a house? How can we, how can we survive in this ruthless market? And our mind is focused on that. Maybe we can relate to this guy who says, I don't have time to go to a banquet. I have to focus on the property that I just bought. And yet another, they focused on the business venture that they made. They bought five yoke of oxen. And it wasn't to keep a petting zoo. It was because oxen tilled the fields. It was to, to plant their seeds, to, to help them with their farm. They just spend a large amount of money, a huge investment in their capital. And they were getting these oxen and they had to make sure that everything went smoothly. Their business was more important than going to this banquet that was prepared. And still one more, the last one we read of, his excuse was that he had just married. Surely it would be wrong to leave his new wife to cut short their honeymoon plans in order to attend this honeymoon. What is common across all three of these responses is that something else was more important to them than attending this banquet. We see that, don't we? It's so simple. Something in their life was more important to them, was of a higher priority than receiving the invitation and going along to the banquet. And just so, those who reject the gospel message of God and Jesus Christ. Something in their lives, in their hearts, holds a higher place than being with God in His kingdom. That is, without a doubt, true of every single case of those who reject Jesus Christ. Something else in their heart holds priority above and beyond Jesus Christ the Lord. Above and beyond being with God. Above and beyond attending the great banquet that God has prepared for those who love Him. That really is the core of the issue for those who love Him. And not just simply love Him amongst many others, but love Him above and beyond every other love that they may have in their hearts. You know, when we read of these things, they're not bad things. I mean, if we were to say that these men rejected the invitation because of their sinful desires, they did not want to enter the kingdom of God because they loved their greedy and their false practices in business. Sure, we can understand that. Perhaps they didn't want to enter the kingdom because they loved their sensual pleasures. They loved their sin. Or, of course, we understand their condemnation is just 
fear enough that they don't get to attain the kingdom. But in their case, these things are good. God's word never once tells us that it's wrong to consider property, that it's wrong to work hard at your business, that it's wrong to love your spouse. I mean, this is the thing that God commends to spend time with your spouse and to delight in them and to love them and to spend time with them. Honeymoon for the rest of your marriage if you can. That's what God wants for you. These things are good. How come then these things prevented them from entering? And it's simple. These good things that God has given have overtaken what should be the ultimate thing in their hearts. Their love for God. These love for other things in their lives, their properties, and their business, and their spouses, their families, is in their hearts higher than their love for God, their love for the kingdom, their love for Jesus Christ. And because of that, verse 24, not one of them shall taste of my banquet. That's what the hope says. And yet those who are the absolute rejects of society, those who are entirely unworthy. Because in their hearts, when the invitation came, they thought to themselves, of course it is better to be with this gracious man, with this wonderful banquet, than it is for me to remain here. They recognized that it was better to go and be with this man than to remain where they were. And so they went along. And we see in their heart, even though it's such a, it's a, such a basic thing, being with this man in this great banquet was of a higher priority than staying where they were. You know, no wonder the Lord Jesus says, the first beatitude that he opened his mouth with in the Sermon of the Mount, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Why? Because those who truly recognize that they are poor in their spirits, that is, that they have nothing good to offer God and that they are in need of his grace, Blessed are they who see their sinfulness and brokenness before God because they are the ones who will recognize that they need to receive God's invitation. Theirs is the kingdom of God. And so God's word presents to you this morning one simple question. Where is God in your heart this morning? Where is the Lord Jesus Christ in your heart this morning? Do you now prefer Him above everything else in this life? If everything else were to be stripped away from you, but you had Christ, would you count it as gain as the Apostle Paul did in Philippians chapter 3, who said that he suffered the loss of all things because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus his Lord? Or would the loss of something in your life now cause you to turn on God and curse Him to His face? As Satan tempted Job to do in the Old Testament. This really is the test. Not our church attendance. Not our theological knowledge. Not how much money we have given to the causes of the kingdom. Not any of these things, but it is the most basic question. Where is God in your heart? Do you love Him beyond everything else? If you love Him and prefer Him and delight in Him above everything else in this world, you have entered into the kingdom of God. You will taste of the great banquet because God will receive all who love Him. 
All who receive Jesus with trust and faith in their hearts, saying, if he has loved me so much that he was willing to die in order to give me the invitation, oh, what a wonderful Savior. My soul is drawn to him in love and in gratefulness. Has that happened to your hearts? Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you experienced it? Because if you have never experienced what it is to love Jesus Christ more than everything else, yes, even more than your own life, then you do not have any assurance that you will taste of the kingdom of God. That you will enter the blessedness of being with God in eternal fellowship. Having all the desires of your hearts satisfied. That's what this parable aims to tell us. That's what Jesus was warning the Pharisees of his day. Do not count on any of your religious observances or anything else. Name them, but don't count on them. But count only on where your heart is at in relation to, to God. Do you love Him more than everything else? Are you willing to give up your business and your property, and yes, even your family, if that's what it takes to lay hold of Christ? No wonder, right after this parable, Luke writes the cost of discipleship. Right after this passage, you can read it in your Bible. He writes that Jesus says to the crowd, If anyone is not willing to deny himself and take up his cross every day and follow me, he is not worthy of me. Because Jesus demands everything of us. He says to those who would follow him, Are you willing to give up even your own life in order to follow me? And the gracious promise of God in Jesus Christ, that you can count on. Even if this world were to pass away, God's word would not pass away. Those who lose their life for his sake will gain it for all eternity. But those who seek to gain their life and to enjoy as much as they can here in this world in the neglect of God and Jesus Christ, they will lose it for all eternity. They will never taste it. That's the question that is laid before you this morning. And you know what struck me so much as a minister of the gospel as I read this passage in verse 23. The master's words to the servants were to go out and not merely invite those who were willing to listen. But the word that he says is compel them to come. You go and you compel them. And you convince them. And you argue with them and you plead with them. But whatever it takes, take it seriously. This message of invitation is so urgent. They must come in and taste of this banquet. Otherwise, they remain where they are in the squalor of their lives. No, compel them to enter in. And I don't know what I can say to try and plead with you to take seriously God's word this morning if you have not yet entered into the kingdom, if you have not yet received Christ as your Lord, as the love of your heart. Think about all the wonderful promises that He gives to you. His invitation is not that you have to jump through three hoops before you can enter in and taste of the blessedness. Think about how free and open this invitation is. He says to those, if you believe in me, the moment that you believe, you are made right with God and you have entered into the kingdom. Because I have done everything necessary for you. I have died in the place of those who trust in me. Their sins are forgiven. I am risen for their justification and giving them my righteousness. See how free the invitation is. It's just like the servant compelling those people on the roadside. Just come. All you have to do is come with me. Believe my word. And you will enter into the feast. You don't have to scrounge up an entry fee. 
You don't have to clean yourself up. The master, he'll give you a robe. You just come with me now and you'll enter in and taste this blessedness. You'll see them pleading with him. Why in the world would you ever reject this invitation? Why in the world would you prefer the things of this world to eternal blessedness in the kingdom of God? Oh friends, if you are rejecting Christ this morning, why would you reject him? For what? For the things of this world that will not last past a hundred years? Why reject him for this? When he opens his hand to you and says, Receive my son and you will enter into eternal blessedness. To have Christ is worth everything that we have. If we were to give up everything, including our lives, in order to get Christ, I'll tell you right now, you have profited infinitely. You have gained in your P&L more than you can ever imagine. Christ is everything. And I pray God helps you to receive Him this morning. Let's pray together. Let's pray now. Oh Lord, we thank You so much for Your Word. And Lord, we can scarcely believe that You have so opened the doors of Your Kingdom to the least likely, to those totally unworthy to us in our sins and in our rejection and our brokenness and our mess. You have opened the doors to us and you have said to us, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. What an amazing promise. What an amazing invitation. Oh Lord, help every one of us now this morning to receive Christ with all of our heart, to accept the invitation, to take you at your word and to love you, to put you as the highest priority in our hearts. Lord, we pray that you would help us to do this. We pray that you would change our hearts. We pray that every single one of us here this morning, not one of us would leave this life without knowing you as our Lord, as our Savior, as our most loving Father, as our most dear Lord. Help us, Lord, to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. Pour out your love and salvation, we pray. In Jesus' name. Hey, um, we're going to move right now to the Lord's Supper and um, just stop it here.